and welcome to Performance Marketing Unlocked, recording on location at Can Lions, its 70th year. And Robin Langford, editor of PMW, and I are sat on the beach right now with a glass of rosé. And we are recording on the Monday with our, our closing remarks, just to start the podcast backwards. And it's been one hell of a day. Robin, how are you feeling? It's been an intense day, Lucy, let's put it that way. It's been a, it's been a strong start to the week, that's for sure. We've seen plenty of people today. Robin, what was your, what was your best bit of today? Uh, my two biggest highlights were probably... Um, the Disney Snapchat augmented reality collaboration. That was a lot of fun. Um, seeing Baby Yoda was as that's that's my number one thing box ticked for today. And also uh, the Unilever TikTok collaboration. That was a lot of fun. And I managed to spot Rob Mayhew, that uh, TikTok viral that TikTok superstar. Influence all about marketing. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, no, I, I could I could tell you enjoyed the Disney Snapchat exhibition with your selfie as an avatar. You yes, I, I didn't get to be the Mandalorian, but that was okay. I'm okay with that. And Lucy, so what was your best bit of Can Lions Day One? My best bit of today. Well, it's. I think it's going to have to be what happened at 8.30 in the morning when we were walking down the croisette and I saw a helicopter land on a catamaran and I knew I was in Cannes. So I'd got the flight to the right place. Um, and my second first bit was probably on the flight over yesterday when I saw someone reading a book about Elon Musk. And again, it was a reminder that I'm going to Cannes Lion. Yeah, I, I saw a lot of people reading some business success books on the plane. Everyone's in that kind of mindset here. So we've had a, a very busy day today, and this is the first episode in a three-part series all about Cannes. And in this episode, we have spoken to Amazon Ads, we've spoken to Frog and JP Morgan and Chase. And our following two episodes are going to feature Samsung Ads, Snapchat, Cantar, and a whole lot more. So stay tuned if you want to find out what's really going on at Cannes. And for our first podcast guest at PMW, we went big. We met Phil Kreister, UK Managing Director of Amazon Ads. Um, he spoke to us all about his vision for creative alchemy for the e-commerce platform. We got loads of great insights from him. So it seems that magic was the theme of the day. We've had magic from Disney, we've had alchemy from Amazon Ads, but Snapchat actually did a very good job at grounding us with an emphasis on the real. Yes, they, they brought back the real, but they also talked about magic quite a lot in their show, I think. I think ultimately, performance marketing, algorithms, all just kind of magic in their own way, aren't they, Lucy? A lot of mystique and mystery, that's for sure. And now we're going over on location to Amazon Port, where I spoke to Phil Kreister, UK Managing Director of Amazon Ads. From starting out as an online bookseller in 1995, Amazon started selling ad inventory on its website way back in 2006 to cater for its burgeoning online retail business. It now sells just about everything you can think of, digital and physical, audio, visual, gaming, devices, and a whole lot more. And it has a growing ad business to help, help brands reach customers from the top of the funnel to the point of purchase. Now it is more than just a retail giant, it is a major advertising company in its own right and it is rocking up to Cannes with its own Amazon port for its second year running. And I'm pleased to say for our first guest for Performance Marketing World in Cannes, we have Phil Kreister, UK Managing Director of Amazon Ads. Welcome Phil. 
Thank you. Great to be here. So, Phil, this is the second year of Amazon Ads having an entire port at Cannes Lion Festival of creativity. Um, so how are the worlds of creative content and performance-based commerce aligning? Yeah, it's, so first off, it is brilliant being back at Cannes. Absolutely brilliant. It's great to be where our customers are. It's brilliant to, it's going to be brilliant listening to them. It's going to be listening, uh, asking them questions, hopefully helping them. And it's going to be great listening to the wider advertising community as well. And there's, there's three things that we're really going to try and help our customers with, which ties into the creativity and commerce, which is first one, how do we use technology to really unleash creativity? Um, how do we use metric-driven tools and audience insights to help get closer to our customers? And then importantly, how do we connect commerce and content with creativity and how do we really engage with our customers? So that's going to be the real focus for us. In fact, later on today, um, our brand innovation lab are doing a session with my good friend Kate McCagg. It's actually called Creative Alchemy and mixing media and creativity to achieve ad advertising magic. So you can see it's a focus. And if you're wondering what the Brand Innovation Lab is, that is a group of creative talent within Amazon who look at the whole canvas of Amazon products to come up with creative ideas and work with brands and work with agencies to really deliver something creative across Amazon. Awesome. I love the idea about alchemy and magic. And if you look at Amazon nowadays, it, the, the ex customer experience has changed so much. You've got brand stores, you've got audio, visual. That creativity is coming through. It's not just that bottom of the funnel driving the purchase. Um, and on that subject, Phil, there is a wealth of metrics for measuring e-commerce and performance marketing success. But how do we measure the impact of creative content across the likes of Amazon ads? And how does that help creatives do their jobs better? Yeah, so, you know, advertisers, they invest a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of money into their creative campaigns. And, you know, it's, it's, it's all of our responsibility to measure that thoughtfully. Um, so what is the impact? And we've got a range of tools that enables them to better plan, better manage, better measure, better optimize digital marketing spends, but more for the long-term, just the, not those short-term transactional um, points. And it's important to remember that, and you touched on this actually, it's important to remember our ad customers are not just brands that sell on Amazon. Um, we've got travel, auto, FinServe, so we actually need to understand that upper funnel measurement as well. And there's three real things that we we utilize to help our customers. The first one's um, called AMC, which is our Amazon Marketing Cloud. So that's a secure, private, cloud-based clean room. So it's basically where advertisers can perform analytics across pseudo-anonymized signals, um, including Amazon ad signals. And it benefits when it comes to modeling and accuracy for audience targeting, for buying, for placements, for reporting. Um, and it allows us to do more measurable outcomes and deliver business growth. The second one is MMMs and omni-channel metrics. So insights that offer solutions to help brands really work out what's contributing towards their goals. And then the other one is our Amazon attribution. So that's analytics that gives marketers insight into how non-Amazon channels perform on Amazon like social, like video, like display. So there's a whole gamut of things there that we're doing to try and help show a good return on investment for our customers and help link creative and performance together. 
Oh yeah, there's a whole array there you just listed, Phil. Yeah. I really love the idea of that, that, that clean room. I think in, in this uh, privacy first world, that's becoming more important and you can see that with the Amazon Marketing Cloud. So moving on, Phil, live stream shopping has exploded in markets such as APAC. How can retailers and brands emulate that success in Western markets? Well, we, we don't offer um, live shopping in the UK, so it's not really my area of expertise, but I can give you a little bit about from the launch in the US. So the, the whole point of it was to incorporate and modernize elements of you know, the popular streaming channels to really help customers shop differently, to inspire customers and bring them the best deals. Um, and an intro to new products, new brands. It's still relatively early in live shopping, but there's a lot of excitement coming from the creators, from brands, from, customer, from customers. And just to give you a little stat on that, in, from Amazon Live Prime Day in 2022, there was 100 million views, and the top stream got 57,000 concurrent views. But in the UK, we think about live streaming really when we think about Twitch. And we try to do the same thing with Twitch as we do with live shopping in the US, which is make it interactive. Um, and there's, at, the mo at the moment, there's, any, there's about two and a half million people live on Twitch on any given day. And the key thing on Twitch is that 70% of the Twitch viewers are actually in that really difficult to reach 18 to 34 year old age bracket. And the, the big thing and the thing that comes out for Twitch is that there's such a high expectation from that audience on the content and on the ad experience. They have to have authenticity. It has to be interactive. Um, and, and that's why brands want to work with Twitch to, to really engage with that audience. Absolutely, that, the Twitch audience is an incredibly discerning audience, like I say, very hard to reach. And I saw some case studies uh, from Amazon working on working with Twitch with some brand partners. I can't remember exactly which ones are really interesting though. I think fascinating for our, our listeners to, to look those up. Um, moving on, can Festival Creativity, there's loads of discussions here um, at the festival. What do you think is being overrated or underrated um, in marketing in 2023? So overrated, marketing speak. Jargon. Jargon, yeah. Absolutely. We've you got know, a whole jargon buster yeah. on our website. It's, it's performance marketing is littered with it. You know it's not what customers want. That's the thing. You know, customer, you, you've got to establish credibility with your customer. You've got to put them right at the center of the story. You need to know what your customers care about. And then you build your stories around that, you know? And, you know, you've got to be, you've got to be comfortable as well with your advertising customers having really difficult conversations. And a lot of people won't do that and they won't say things straight. And I think it's really important to do that. I was actually with a very well-known brand last week and that was exactly what they said to me. Be honest with us. Tell us what we're doing well and tell us what we're not doing very well. And you've, so you've got to be straight about that. Um, I think it's really important. And then our customers and then therefore their customers will appreciate that more. From an underrated, and it's linked, it's linked to what I've just said, and it's it's about being obsessed with your customer. Because I don't think enough people are. You can't lose sight of the customer. It's one of Amazon's leadership principles. It's one of my favorite ones. Because I think everything comes back to that. Understanding your customer, being obsessed with your customer. And you shouldn't, that's not to say you shouldn't be creative or innovative. You absolutely should be. But what tends to happen is people get 
too obsessed with the creativity piece and lose sight of the customer. And that's what we try to do. We try to always bring it back to the customer. Absolutely. I think we can all be guilty as marketers of talking to ourselves a bit a bit too much. And it is, it's notable. We, we've had, I think, uh, John Evans on, on our podcast previously talking about how the people absent from festivals like this are the customer. Yeah. Or, I mean, I guess we are all customers ourselves, yeah. Phil. Um, but, yeah, we, we tend to just can be a bit insular. And it is nice to just always remember where this stuff is going, what this advertising is for, and how we're helping customers on that journey. Yeah. Um, moving on from that... Um, what tips do you have for marketers heading into 2024 and what new skills should they focus on learning? Um, so I think everybody's going to have to learn to do a lot more with less. Now that's for the rest of this year, for 2024, who knows where we get to in 24, but I think that's going to be really important. You know, the job of advertising is getting harder. It's a much more complex purchasing decision journey that customers are much more attuned and understand that. They, they want that credibility, that authenticity. So you, you, you can't always rely on the things that worked in the past. So you have to use all advertising solutions. And when you've got to do with more with less in difficult times, you can't just rely on a sort of a flight to performance. So you, you, you can't lose sight of the fact that you still have to build brands but build it and make sure that you measure it effectively. So I think if that's the one tip I could give to people, sort of make sure you're measuring all of the activity, be it brand, be it performance, in the right way. Absolutely, it does feel like there's two activities emerging. You've summed that up so well, Phil. Um, thank you for your time on the podcast today. It's been absolutely fantastic and I hope you can enjoy the rest of the festival. Have you got anything exciting lined up? Well, I've got, I've got a lot of meetings, I have to admit. I might be able to squeeze in a glass of rosé or two later on. Thank you. Phil Kreister, UK Managing Director, Amazon Ads. Thanks very much. Next, we will be hearing from JP Morgan and Chase and Frog about creativity in the modern era. Welcome everyone. We are sat here today with Kiara Diana, the Chief Design Officer at Frog and Dustin Sedgwick, CMO of Payments for JP Morgan and Chase. And Dustin, this is a question that's actually been posed uh, in the panel that you're about to sit on with Frog, which is how do you fuel both invention and innovation? And what is the difference? I think it's important to start with breaking down the difference first. Uh, I, I would say invention, in my mind, is the creation of something new. It's novelty. Uh, it's It's... Oftentimes, technology is from R&D, but it's really without the application, without building it into a distribution model or go-to-market model or uh, engaging with clients and customers, it could stay just as invention. And that's where innovation comes into play. Innovation is the application of something new. It's actually providing the value for a large contingent of people or processes or, or communities. And that's where the rubber really hits the road. And how do you fuel those? I think there's, you know, it's very easy to say it's culture. Really, do you have a, do you have a culture that fosters innovation? But culture is actually an embodiment of several things in my mind. And so I would start with people. And at the top of the list is, do you have the right people in place who can really drive both invention and innovation? And that is people who are entrepreneurial in spirit. Uh, they're very curious. Uh, something that I believe in is a growth mindset and, and always seeking to learn and to grow. And those are the type of people who drive both invention and innovation. I would say incentive alignment. Uh, are people actually incentivized within a company 
to pursue risk taking? Is there a culture that is, is supportive of risking and failing, launching and iterating and maybe not succeeding, but moving on to the next thing? And that gets my next point, which is structure. In, in an organization, are people actually, are the teams built in a way that there's autonomy in decision making and in, in speed of decision making that you have the right people around the table that you know, are both curious, entrepreneurial, but then you have, you have uh, connectors and collaborators and cross-discipline. And that goes to process, which is if you actually don't have, and this is where I think a lot of people, a lot of companies get invention and innovation wrong, they don't put enough weight into the actual innovation part of it, which is, is this applicable? Is this actually support a business over a long term? Is this sustainable? Do we actually have a means of producing this thing? And that to me is, the, is where it's really magical. And if you have all those things, you can really fuel both invention and innovation. And I, and I believe that that's how companies grow and how they sustain over time. And how does the relationship between creativity and technology feed into the differences between those two? Absolutely. I, for me, creativity is often born from curiosity. Um, and I think that's where people start linking ideas together from you know, a, a broad array of background, cultural context, yeah, um, their, their own personal relationships, and a curiosity to want to be able to learn and to connect all those things. Technology is the means of really building that at scale. And I think this is where technology has really empowered humans is that you can have an idea and you could connect a couple of random points together and then technology enables it to go far, to distribute globally now with, with you know, real time effectively uh, with the age of AI, your idea and the creation of it are, are, can be synonymous and that's powered by technology. And so for me, those two go hand in hand when you're really thinking about innovation and, and really going to market and, and driving change at scale. Thank you very much. Kiara, as you are Chief Design Officer, I wanted to ask you, what is modern creativity in the age of data and technology and artificial intelligence? Thanks for the question. Maybe just to start, I think that I want to say that it's a lot of fun. I think we keep, we have been keep evolving the way in which we think about creativity to tap into the full value that comes from technology, from data. On one side, to change uh, and embrace new tools that we have as creatives, as a way to also evolve the way in which we think about the process in which we deliver creativity. And last, uh, though, by the fact that the world around us is changing based on those technologies. So if we think about uh, the solutions that we have around us today that are powered by technology, are fueled by data, are really enabling us uh, to completely differently interact with the world surrounding us. And this is about how you do your uh, payment with a bank, uh, is the way in which you learn more about uh, uh, the news, or is the way in which you relate with the others, or is the way in which you manage your health. So all the products that we buy, the devices uh, that we interact with, or the services uh, that we get access to, are all part of a larger ecosystem, which is continuously sensing, is continuously collecting information and reacting to those and adapting and behaving. So in this connected world, the data and the AI are really enabling to drive personalized experiences tapping into this new uh, collective in order to deliver something that is uh, unique and at the same time is done in real time. So it's connecting the scale of um, the mass production 
with the value that could come from uh, eye-hand fashion tailored exactly to you. And so modern creatives uh, have, are at this time in front of an incredible landscape of opportunities. It's really about an infinite playground in which we can craft incredible solution for each one of us. And we could, but shall we? I think that as creatives, we really need the, to master our craft in order to understand not only how some of those uh, ideas and innovation can come to the world, can become possible, but really on the other side, is it worth this possible? how we can understand what brings value, what people really want, what are the things that will make a difference for the business, for the humans, for the planet. And so in order to, in order to make this shift, which is a shift from what is possible to what is value, I think that creatives need to really master these new tools. Technology is a means. Artificial intelligence is like an engine, and data is really our new creative matters. How do we master them in order to model them and translate them into purpose? So I think that really creative ingenuity is helping us to connect this potential to real value, as it probably has always been, where creativity bridges uh, the land of opportunity to what makes uh, the world a better place. That's really interesting, the kind of how you've highlighted the shift there from um, what's possible to what is going to be valuable. And in another podcast I was doing with AI Scale Up Brightbid, Kate Cox, the CMO, was talking about that right now we're in the efficiency stage of AI, but we're waiting to get to the transformative stage, which is where the value that I guess you're speaking of. Because I wanted to ask you then about the skills that creatives, marketers, people at brands require now, um, especially as these roles of creativity and technology are merging, what skills do they need? What skills should brands be hiring for now? I think is is an interesting question in the sense that if I make a skill list today, that will be probably wasted in six months from today. So it's not really about uh, the specific skill that I think is important to focus, but it's more about uh, a mindset uh, and uh, an expectation. And I think in terms of mindset, uh, there is a necessity to bring in people that are able and interested in continuously learning, people that are comfortable with uncertainty, Because every time, if we want to be at the forefront of innovation, we don't have tools that we can replicate. We don't have methods that we can apply one-on-one, but we constantly need to reinvent them to capture the value that is new. And so the ability to learn, uh, the comfort with ambiguity, I would say, and then the passion to experiment. Would you say, because everyone, I think, and one of the buzzwords, many buzzwords that gets chucked around is adaptability and being able to adapt to uh, the changing landscapes that we're all living in at the moment. Do you think it would be fair to say that people have had to be at their most adaptable now than say in the past? I think probably we have always needed to be adaptable, but as the pace of change is accelerating, 
this need for adaptability, you know, is no compromise. You cannot wait to adapt. <laughs> you need to do that in the moment. And so for me, adaptability is an interesting word because it's a, in order to adapt, you need to understand the context that you need to adapt to. So for me, there is on one side the necessity to have profiles that can comprehend something that is changing very fast, feel comfortable with that change, and then understand how they complement that change and how they evolve their own, uh, their own skills. It's almost, I mean, the kind of adaptability, it sounds like very, it sounds almost reactive to what's going on around you, whereas in proactivity is what we need to be breeding at the moment. I agree with you. I think that the word itself is uh, diminishing, uh, in a way, the, the quality that we really need to have. And embracing in a proactive way the changes, when, when I refer to feel, un feel comfortable in ambiguity, for me speaks to that. You need to live into the ambiguity and embrace it uh, to drive what is next, that you don't have a blueprint uh, to, execute, uh, to execute on. I mean, comfort in the amb in the ambiguity sounds hard for a for a data marketer in a way, doesn't it? They they hate ambiguity. That's a that's a tough task you've set them there. I, I would agree. And <laughs> and once um, when I was a few years ago, I realized that I was very uncertain in uh, entering important meetings. And someone told me, try to unpack what makes you feel uncomfortable into bits that you can uh, control. So I think that in the way in which we embrace uncertainty, it's really about understanding what are the components of that uncertainty, how you can unpack it, what elements you can govern, and the elements that you cannot govern, how do you de-risk the path into the uncertainty. So I think that also data marketers uh, might find a way through ambiguity. <laughs> well, Kiara, thank you very much for joining me today. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. Well, that's it for day one. Thank you very much for listening. The next episode will be going out on Thursday lunchtime. And the last episode of our Can Lion series will be going out next week. And do read performancemarketingworld.com every day this week when we'll be giving you regular updates, including my daily blog from a performance marketer's point of view. And we're trying to give you a filtered version of CAN that you need to know. And don't forget to like, follow, subscribe. And for all your performance marketing trends, news and analysis, register at performancemarketingworld.com. Thank you very much. And we'll see you next time. Goodbye.